So I showed it to the doctor, and well, she said it's smashing. This episode of the Smashing Podcast, we're talking about SVG animation. How can vector images, JavaScript, and CSS all work together to provide engaging motion graphics? We talked to expert Cassie Evans to find out. But first, did you know that Smashing Magazine publishes a brand new article to the website five days a week? That's a lot to keep up with, but we're here to help. It's your weekly update. To do more with View Router, Timmy Oyeni teaches us some amazing features that View Router has that, despite being the official router for View, many people just don't know about. Find out what these features are and how you can start making use of them in your apps. Hooray! Abdulaziz Adashina dips a toe into the world of component libraries in building React apps with Storybook. Learn how to build and test React components in isolation from your app using Storybook for React. You'll also learn how to use the ever-useful Knobs add-on to modify the data your components receive directly from the Storybook Explorer in real time. In Everything Developers Need to Know About Figma, Jern van Vissen looks at Figma, a design tool that is rapidly gaining popularity. Unlike most design software, Figma is free and browser-based, so developers can easily access the full design files, making the developer handoff process significantly smoother. Jern teaches developers who have nothing but a basic understanding of design tools everything they need to know to start working with Figma. Suzanne Skacker looks at four ways to creatively use icons in your mobile apps. Icons have long held an important place in the design of mobile apps, but beyond using them to create larger and more attractive touch targets, there are other ways mobile app designers can use these tiny elements to make an app more engaging. Suzanne explores four ways in which you can do this. In our second look at component libraries, Adamola Adigbai delves into building a component library with React and Emotion. Emotion is a CSS in JavaScript solution which enables developers to co-locate their components with their associated styles. In this tutorial, you can learn how to build your own component library in React using the tools Emotion provides you as its backbone. And that is your weekly update. Find all these and more at smashingmagazine.com slash articles. She is a front-end developer and speaker with a background in graphic design and motion design. She got started with coding back in the days of MySpace and Neopets and is on a mission to make the web more whimsical again. She currently works at Clear Left in Brighton, UK and can usually be found tinkering with SVGs on CodePen. So we know she's a skilled developer and SVG expert, but did you know she was national junior wing walking champion for three years in a row? My smashing friends, please welcome Cassie Evans. Hello, Cassie. How are you? I'm smashing. Thank you. I wanted to talk to you today about one of your passions, uh, which is SVG, and in particular, the animation side of things. I think most people listening to this podcast will have heard of scalable vector graphics in some shape or form. I know I've used them heavily with things like logos and icons in recent years, but let's not assume. So for anyone who isn't really up to speed with SVG, what makes it different from other ways of adding graphics to a web page? So a lot of the clues in the name, of course. So uh, SVG stands for scalable vector graphic. 
So these are first the images that can be any size. You can make them really, really small or really, really big and they'll retain um, image quality and won't get pixelated like uh, JPEGs or PNGs. Um, you can also make them really, really small, so small in file size. Um, so everyone's kind of added a PNG to their site that's a million megabytes um, and seen what that does to page load. So you can add all sorts of cool illustrations and stuff to your site without impacting on performance too badly. Um, and also you can animate them. So that's the most exciting bit. Um, with JPEGs or PNGs, if you wanted to animate them or move bits of them around, you'd have to cut them out into little pieces or kind of layer them on top of each other. Whereas with SVGs, you've got actual elements in the SVG. Um, it's got a DOM structure just like HTML does. So I, I guess in a world of mobile devices with different screen sizes and different pixel densities and sort of constrained data connections, SVG really is a, a format that's more suited to the modern web than, than the old graphic styles. Is that fair? Yes, definitely. Uh, most images are, of course, sort of binary-based, um, but SVG is totally view sourceable, isn't it? Yeah. So that's that's really exciting because you can actually right-click and view source on, um, on an SVG and you can traverse around the DOM um, and kind of see what you've got and kind of get to get to learn it that way, which I, I, f I find that really great. It feels a lot like the old web, um, like being able to go to a website and view source on it and see how it's put together. SVG kind of feels um, more sort of native and, and integrated into the web than things like maybe Canvas or even back in the day, uh, Flash, which of course Flash was scalable vector graphics, wasn't it, uh, in its own way. And those those technologies feel very much like a, a black box that's encased on the page that you can't sort of get in or out of. SVG is a lot more integrated, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's funny that you'd say that because I always refer to Canvas as a black box um, when people are asking uh, whether they should use Canvas or SVG for something. Uh, and I think a lot of the time, obviously, it depends on the use case. But one of the things with Canvas is if you don't have JavaScript for some reason. Um, if your code fails, you end up with a little black box with nothing in it. So you could create this crazy infographic, all sorts of things going on inside this canvas element, and then you just lose it all. Whereas um, SVG, it's a lot more aligned with progressive enhancement. So you can have an animated SVG, maybe that's animating using JavaScript, but then without JavaScript, you'll still have the illustration, you'll still have the SVG there. And SVG isn't new to the web, is it? It's been around for quite a while. And it has, yes. It's been around for longer than I've I've been doing stuff on the web. And it certainly seems to be coming into its own a lot more with um, things like animation, uh, like you've been saying, but also, as we are mentioning, the the way that it, it scales just makes it perfectly suited when we're designing sites that might be viewed on a, a retina display, you know, double the pixel density um, or need to, to be delivered to, a, you know, over a, a mobile connection where you want things to be as performant as, as possible. So we know SVG uh, has got a DOM. You mentioned that. Does that mean that the things in it can be manipulated with code? Yes, so that's that's the most exciting thing. Um, you can 
get at SVG elements and you can um, animate them and move them around just like you can with HTML DOM elements. Um, and it also means from an accessibility perspective, um, SVG has a DOM so you can traverse that DOM if you're if you're using a screen reader or something. So you can make SVG graphics very accessible to screen readers. Yes, I was going to ask about the situation with accessibility because classically graphical stuff on a page is one of the most difficult things to to make accessible. So there there's sort of attributes that you can add to to hint can you use the aria stuff in SVG or how does how does that work? Um, yeah, you can use ARIA labeled by. Um, you also have title and description tags that you can put inside an SVG. That's incredible. And in, in terms of like um, uh, sort of motion preferences, because that's something that we've seen uh, recently with a, um, a media query in CSS to, to see that um, the user prefers reduced motion and you can change your animations, things based on that. Is that something you can do in SVG or does it have to be implemented a little bit more manually? Well, with um, with SVG, people often talk about SVG animation like it's its own separate kind of special thing. And of course, we, we used to have SMIL. We still do have SMIL technically. Um, it was getting deprecated, but it's actually not being deprecated anymore. Um, it's just not really as widely used um, and not worked on anymore. But we used to have SMIL, and that was what most people referred to as SVG animation. Um, whereas now, SVG animation could mean any of those things. It could mean SMIL, it could mean CSS animation, or it could mean animating using JavaScript or a JavaScript animation library. So there's lots of different options, but um, with CSS animation and JavaScript animation, the option to use prefers reduced motion is there and should definitely be used. So uh, you mentioned CSS animation, and of course there's a certain amount that we can do like with HTML elements uh, and CSS animation um, to to create graphics and, and, and motion on a page. SVG just like blows that out of the water in terms of flexibility, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think people make amazing things with just CSS. Um, like Lynn Fisher makes really amazing things. Um, there's all sorts of people making crazy CSS only illustrations, but it takes a lot of time. Um, and the handover for that is pretty impossible. Like if you, if you imagine um, a designer giving you an illustration and asking you to recreate that in CSS, <laughs> like, that, that would be a large ticket. <laughs> so um, SVG kind of makes it a lot more feasible to have these interdisciplinary um, teams and pass things over from one person to another. So you can have an illustrator or a designer create an illustration in a vector graphics program like Illustrator, and then they can pass that SVG over to a developer who can animate it. And I suppose that would fit quite well into people's established workflows using things like git um, because svg is text-based isn't it so presumably committing svgs into git you get all that um, ability to diff and merge and and all those sort of powerful um, features that you get with with other text-based stuff is that right yeah exactly so it's kind of like it i mean it will it, i say kind of like it absolutely is graphics expressed as code yes isn't it svg it is and it's quite it's quite a lot like 
um, HTML in its in its syntax. So it's, it's another XML based language, isn't it? Yeah. So it has tags and attributes and nested children and all that sort of stuff that that your average web developer is going to be used to. I I think that that's what I love the most about SVG is I'm I'm really into creative coding, um, and also teaching people. And I've found that teaching people. Um, who are more of a creative leaning. Um, They sometimes get a little thrown off when you immediately jump in with, you know, JavaScript or Python or something like that for creative coding. Um, But without fail, I've managed to get anyone that I taught on board with SVG because it's got this um, really approachable entry point because it does look like HTML. So you can give someone with a with an understanding of HTML and how to build websites, SVG, and it looks the same, but it's for graphics instead of documents. Um, and then you can animate that with CSS to start off with, which is also a little bit more comfortable. And then you can kind of progress to animating it with JavaScript. So it's a really good um, learning curve. And of course, it can be dynamic. It's not just a case of creating motion. You can actually, you know, make the, the properties of it dynamic. So like one of the interesting things I've seen SVG used for, uh, and it's a grand term, but like data visualization, data viz, and, you know, drawing graphs and charts and, of course, things like dashboards that we seem to have everywhere these days. SVG is sort of perfect for that, isn't it? Yes, definitely. Um, SVG is great for data viz, um, all the way from kind of small data viz up to like D3, which is very well known um, data viz library that uses SVG under the hood. Um, but you could also just, if you've got a little bit of data that you wanted to show on a web page, you could create a chart in a graphics editing program, and then you could just use JavaScript to change those values and kind of change how your graph looks. So you don't have to go all in with a massive data viz library. You can kind of just start off small. Obviously, sort of traditional graphs uh, uh, and charts and things like uh, are just sort of the tip of the iceberg when it comes to ways that SVG can um, help with with data visualization. I saw you de- you had an interesting project that you did at Clear Left with your solar panels on the roof. Uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> that project was um that that was actually meant to be me learning D3 <laughs> and then I got very distracted. Um we we have some solar panels on the roof of our office which I miss thoroughly, actually. It's been so <laughs> so long. Um, but yeah, we've got some solar panels on the roof and I found out shortly after starting working at ClearLeft that we had an API that was attached to the solar panels that you could hook into. So I was like... Amazing. <laughs> right, I, I need this to be my side project. Um, and I had a little look at what we got back from the API and amongst... Um, the data, there was the amount of CO2 saved and um, they measured the amount of CO2 in trees. Okay. So I was immediately like, wow, well, we're going to have to plot this somehow, but I want to measure it in trees because that's such an interesting way of plotting this. So um, all of my D3 aspirations went out of the window and (laughs) I sat down in Illustrator and recreated a um, an illustration of our office building and created a jungle of trees and plants and stuff. And then um, I'm looking at how much CO2 we've saved and then kind of growing in these plants and vines and stuff 
yeah, it's it's great. It's really good to check back occasionally as well and just see how much the jungle's grown. Uh, it's, it's an amazingly creative way of uh, of visualizing that data, where as if you were relying on traditional software for creating graphs and charts and things, there's never going to be a, a, a function to create an office building with trees on top. That, that just doesn't exist. Yeah. But then using JavaScript and using um, SVG to be able to generate those graphics and using the JavaScript to manipulate them to, to adjust the values that are being shown, you can come up with something completely new and a completely novel way of communicating an idea to, to the person uh, using the site. So we know we can hand code the markup for SVGs, uh, which me as a, as a developer, I think that sounds great because I can go in and I can be very precise. But, um, but that is probably a technical skill that isn't going to suit everybody, particularly those whose strengths are being more visually creative than, than actual coding. So are there other ways to author SVGs or do you have to just do it by hand in, in a text editor? <laughs> um, I think I wrote a hamburger icon once from hand, like just from the top of my head and I was super proud of myself. But the, <laughs> the rest of the time I, I create SVGs in Illustrator or um, other alternatives. Affinity Designer is really good. Um, Illustrator has obviously the Adobe pricing structure, which can be a little bit out of people's budgets. Um, but Affinity Designer is like a once-off purchase. Um, and it's it's pretty good actually um and the svg markup that you get out of it is is good which is the most important thing um but yeah i i don't think there's anyone apart from as a guy called Blake Bowen on the greensock forums and i think that he could probably handwrite um svg path data but i i don't think it's a thing that ev- everyone can do i don't think that it's a thing that we should be aspiring to do <laughs> It's quite verbose. <laughs> so, you know, being a lightweight by yeah. by using a dedicated graphics tool to, to author SVGs, it's a it's a perfectly valid route. It's fine. <laughs> Choose your battles. <laughs> <laughs> are there any um, any tools out there that are free for for authoring SVGs, or, or is it all commercial? Um, I think Inkscape is free, um, but yeah, I I would really recommend Affinity Designer. I think for the kind of cheaper tier. I think it's it's worth paying a little bit of money towards these tools because it, it can be quite frustrating um, working with clunky uh, vector graphics tooling. And in terms of the output, the, the SVG output that you get from these tools, is it all the same? Do they all just basically generate the same SVG or some better than others? Mm, yeah, that's a, it's a very good question. I find Illustrator is a lot better um, than other tools, but... It's, it's not something that should hold you back or make you feel like you need to spend that money. Um, so at the end of the day, you will get some markup out. Some um, editors, you might need to do a little more tweaking than others, um, but most of them you will get workable SVG code out of it. I've uh, found personally when I've tried to create SVGs and I'm I'm not um, graphically skilled uh, that I can I get varying results depending on how I actually draw something in in say Illustrator. Uh, presumably when it comes to thinking about how something's going to be animated it it matters more how you construct your shapes in the editor is that 
fair yeah definitely um also svg um has an implicit drawing order so it's not like html so with uh with html you can use z index to kind of move things around and put things underneath or on top of other things um whereas with svg uh the order that it is in the code will be the order that it is displayed on the web page so um that's something to kind of keep in mind when you're drawing out an SVG is getting your layers in the right order. Um, and then anything that you want to move as one unit, you should wrap in a group. Um, and anything that you want to move separately from something else, you need to make sure that it's actually a separate shape. Yeah. So, I mean, by, by getting your layers in order there, you're literally talking about like the layers palette in Illustrator and, and dragging the things around before you export. Is that right? Just getting them in the correct order and then exporting. Yes. Um, and once you have exported it, uh, uh, are there tools that will help sort of optimize or, or uh, you know, because I know with PNGs, um, there's a whole load of um, uh, uh, things I use to to cut all the you know the cruft out of the file and reduce the file size. Is there are there similar things for for um, SVG? Yeah, there's um there's a tool called SVG OMG um, which I use a lot, which is great, um, and you can um, use that for batch processing. Um, there's like terminal commands for it, um, but you can also there's a GUI in the browser, which I really like for like large illustrative SVGs. Cause I think it's, it's nice to build it into like, say your build process. If you're dealing with a huge load of icons that you all want processed in the same way. Um, but if you're dealing with an illustrative SVG, it's nice to be able to use the GUI because you can flip between the code view and the visual view. And you can just make sure that the things that you're changing in the settings aren't visually affecting your SVG in a negative way and aren't affecting the code in a way that you don't want it to. Presumably these uh, tools, things like Illustrator, are great for creating our graphics, but they're not going to help us at all with animation, are they? That that's that all happens once we get the SVG and put it into a web page. Yeah. So what does that process look like? I mean, obviously, it's difficult to talk about animation too much on an audio podcast. <laughs> um, but in terms of just the the sort of process you'd go through, you you put your SVG into a page. What happens then? How do you how do you address parts of it, or what do you do to to start working with it? Um, so it's very similar to um, animating uh, HTML. DOM elements in that you need to be able to target the elements themselves. So that would involve putting classes or IDs on them so that you can target them. Um, and then you can either use CSS for animation. There are some issues with transforms with CSS that are still kind of being ironed out a little bit. Um, so I kind of I tend to recommend CSS for experimenting and playing with SVG animation. Um, when it comes to SVG animation and production, I will usually recommend GreenSock, um, which is a JavaScript animation library. And yeah, well, with, with GreenSock and with CSS, you basically just get the SVG elements and then do stuff to them. So do you have um, full access to interacting with the, the complete range of JavaScript APIs and things like scroll events and mouse events and resizing and intersection and that whole browser environment, presumably you've got at your disposal to then have your animation interact with and respond to? Yeah, so you can, um, anything that you would use 
in normal JavaScript, so like mouse events or scrolling, that kind of thing, um, you can look for that and then do things to your SVG on those events. Um, you've also got SVG specific um, methods and stuff like get path length, I think is one, stuff like that. So there's, there's specific SVG methods that um, you can kind of play around with. So you, you could do things, uh, for example, like um, start an animation as some, as an SVG comes into view on the page, if it's, if it's, if it's scrolled out of place and stop it when it, when it gets scrolled away and, uh, and restart it if it comes back into view and that sort of thing. Yeah, there's a, there's actually a new GreenSock um, plugin called Scroll Trigger. Um, and previously, I think a lot of people have used Scroll Magic for um, scroll animations, um, but that was a different library to GreenSock. So they had no kind of affiliation with each other. So you were just mashing together two different libraries, one that did animation and one that did scroll events. Um, whereas GreenSock have now just made a scrolling plugin that works with GreenSock um, and it has one event listener, um, one scroll listener even. <laughs> so it's very, very performant. Um, and I've played around with it recently and it's great. It's really easy to use. And is that automatically buffered so you're not um, completely overrun with scroll events being fired at your code and all those sorts of traditional problems? Yeah, all of all of the traditional problems. They're kind of doing all the heavy <laughs> lifting in the background for you, which is good. Fantastic. Would GreenSock be the the tool and the sort of library that you'd recommend um, people to to start using if they were looking at SVG animation? Yes, definitely. Um, mostly because GreenSock, um, it's the only animation library out there that handles SVG transforms consistently cross-browser. And that isn't just something that they do that they're not focusing on anymore. It's a constant effort from their part. So they're constantly kind of looking for SVG bugs and fixing things. Um, so it's it's very reliable, definitely. What is the, the sort of cross-browser situation like with SVG? Is it fairly reliable or, or are you constantly having to deal with inconsistencies across different browsers and, and platforms? If you are animating with GreenSuck, then you don't. Um, if you are animating with CSS, yeah, there's there's quite a few um, inconsistencies. It's, it's mostly to do with how transforms are handled. So um, with HTML DOM elements, transforms are measured from the center of them. Um, and with SVG, um, transforms are measured from the top left-hand corner. But in some browsers, it's the top left-hand corner of the element itself. And in other browsers, it's the top left-hand corner of the SVG view box parent. So um, you can end up, if you're rotating things around in some browsers, they might end up going in a different trajectory than others. <laughs> That sounds like most of the animation I've ever tried to script <laughs> in my life. Things going in unexpected directions. Uh, uh, I mean, we're used to sort of um, traditional animation tools having things like easing options, you know, ease in, ease out, and, and that, that sort of stuff. Presumably that's something that GreenSock then brings to the table. Yeah, GreenSock's got a lot of really good um, easing equations that you can you can use. Yeah, and they've, they've got a great ease visualizer, so you can have a little look at how all the easers work. 
That's, that's really useful. I'm, now, again, that's something I always struggle with. I, it's like, I know I should do something. It shouldn't, it shouldn't just move linearly from A to B, but um, what, what do I do? So, yeah, being able to visualize stuff is, is really handy. When I started making animations, I made a lot of space animations because I hadn't quite figured out how easing worked yet. So in space, everything does move linearly because it's, it's just floating around. It doesn't have gravity to contend with. So I made lots of rockets, <laughs> <laughs> planets bobbing around. That was fine. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess you, um, being being such an SVG enthusiast, you, you probably see people um, putting SVG to all sorts of creative uses. I mean, what sort of things just to get get the juices flowing? What sort of, what sort of things have you seen people um, people do with SVGs that's, that have been particularly impressive or creative? Um, I think one of the things that I love with SVG is the fact that you you don't just have to use it for you know illustrative SVG anim- animations by themselves um, because it is um xml based markup just like html you can kind of mix it in with the html dom so i think it's it's a bit of a nerdy thing but my my favorite examples of um svg animation are when people mix svg animation with semantic dom elements so when you have a button that is a it's a proper button but it's got some svg icon illustration in it so that when you click that button something joyful happens and i i love that because it's this perfect marriage of um kind of whimsical joyfulness and um proper semantic dom elements i mean you've said in the past that uh, front-end development has become very serious uh, in recent times Uh, has all the fun gone out of the web cassie (laughs) that's a very serious question has all the fun gone out of the web um <laughs> because things things used to be used to be a lot more fun but maybe not as um uh, efficient um and have we got too serious with it yeah i think efficiency is is a real killer when it comes to adding these little enhancements on um i even i find that in my day job at clear left um i quickly realized that if i added in Kind of, if I wanted to have animations as an extra thing, as like another ticket or something, it was very hard to get sign off on that. It was always the thing that if the project starts being a little bit cramped on time, it's the first thing to go. Um, but I think that once you've got a good understanding of animation and SVG, you can you can just sneak things in to start off with. So when you're building a component and you see um, an opportunity for a little bit of animation in there you can just add it in and it gets easier because then people start seeing the possibilities and people start realizing that the clients really like that kind of thing um and then you can kind of yeah get a little bit more time to work on it it is the sort of thing that can just really elevate an experience beyond uh, a, a unsatisfactory or unsatisfying sort of boring uh, transaction to something that, that gives the user just a little bit of joy and and gives a, a whole sort of perception of quality and and mm. some brand personality as well. I think with animation, there's a yeah, there's a lot in terms of brand personality that can be put across with those sort of little touches. But I think this is something that a lot more people are realizing now as well, not just with, you know, SVG and animation, but um, 
personality in general. And I think that there's a lot more weight that's being given to copy that's written well and has a bit of personality and illustrations that aren't just from a stock library that are, you know, unique to that company or that person. Um, And animations are a big part of that. I think that I personally feel like we're seeing more of these websites nowadays. And I, I think that we went through and are probably still going through a little bit of a um, efficiency first period. But I think as with anything, people start getting bored of that. And it does seem like a lot of websites are just being churned out by some corporate mega machine. And people are starting to push back, I think, as um, uh, Max Bock made a site recently called The Whimsical Web. Um, It's got a lot of personal sites on there that are really joyful for various different reasons. And I think we're starting to see a lot more of that. Is it possible to go too far with adding animation and and, and sort of too much personality perhaps to a site? Yes, (laughs) (laughs) definitely. Um, I'm I'm not a huge fan of of websites that are very, very whiz-bang, like websites that are animation first you get to the page and everything's moving and you're trying to read text as you're scrolling but it's moving while you're trying to read it um i'm not a fan of that i i really like um looking at animation as an enhancement um and i think that's why svg i think is so great because you can kind of build an otherwise quite sensible website but you can have these little um whimsical touches throughout it and it's crucial isn't it as we mentioned before the accessibility uh, uh, sort of aspect uh, of things that it is possible to create uh, a nicely accessible svg even if it has sort of content if you like locked locked in there it's not locked it's it's accessible to screen readers uh, and then hopefully to to everyone who visits the site um as i say it's it's hard on a podcast to really get into the the practicalities of well, we can't show animation or anything, um, but you're running a, an online workshop with Smashing Conference um, all about SVG, aren't you? Yes, I am. It's uh, the the SVG Animation Masterclass, um, and that starting on October the 8th. And it's, it's quite an unusual format. It's two hours on Thursdays and Fridays. It's um, an unusual way to do things, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually really happy about that because um, I've done a version of this workshop before. I spent um, a large part of 2019 putting it together. It was my my baby, my passion project. Um, and then I had quite a few workshops booked in and then the situation happened <laughs> and all of them got cancelled. Um, so I, I got the opportunity to run it twice um, before the situation. And it was it was really great, but it was a lot of content, and um, it was a full day workshop, about eight hours, and you could tell by the end of it, people's brains are just switching off because you're sitting in a room trying to absorb information for eight hours. So I'm I'm quite excited about this format because it means that I could divide it up into sections that kind of work by themselves. Um, and it gives people a chance to learn that and process it a little bit um, and let it sink in before they get the next 
load of information. So I think we're going to get uh, some really interesting things at the end of it, um, just because people have had more time to absorb. So it's uh, a Thursday and a Friday, a Thursday and a Friday, and then a Thursday to finish it off with two hours on each of those days, followed by q and I think that's right, isn't it? Yes. Uh, Q&A on each, on each session. Um, what would those attending expect to learn? What 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 should their expectations be in terms of what they what skills they might pick up? So it's um it's more angled towards the uh, animation coding side of um of SVG animation. Um, so we'll cover a little bit of um getting SVGs out of a graphics editor, um, and then the whole process from getting the code out through to starting to work with it. So um, optimizing and adding the right classes and structuring it properly. Um, And then we'll work on animating SVGs. So we'll be using CSS. We'll also be using Greensock, which is the animation library that I I mentioned. Um, And we'll be covering what I... Um, I kind of refer to as SVG's superpowers. So this is stuff that um, it's aside from the animation, it's the things that you can do with SVG. So that's like clipping and masking and stroke animation um, and filters. And all of that stuff is just, it's so important to understand with SVG because it unlocks all of this other um, all this, all of these kind of superpowers that you can play with. Um, and we'll also look at uh, performance and accessibility and also um, a bunch of the kind of little tips that I've picked up and learned along the way. So little handy tips that I find useful for my workflow, um, handy tips that help with um, flashes of unstyled um, content before you start animating, um, little tips like that. That sounds really useful. Uh, I, I looked just before we uh, started our interview and there were um, there's still some early bird places available, which is great. So if people are quick, they might still catch those. Um, and uh, you can uh, register at smashingconf.com. There's actually a, a number of different masterclasses that are being run at the moment and there are early bird deals and bundle deals on some of them as well. So there's things like uh, Jamstack, uh, CSS layout with Rachel Andrew, uh, Vue.js, web performance, GraphQL, uh, loads of different masterclasses, um, and you can find all those at smashingconf.com. So I've been learning all about SVG. What have you been learning about lately, Cassie? Um, oh, I've been recently learning quite a lot about Eleventy. Um, I, I did a little site redesign recently um, using Eleventy, mm-hmm. and I've also been doing uh, Andy Bell's Eleventy from scratch course. Um, so I'm getting quite into static site generators in general at the moment. That's great. I think we all, I think we're all getting into static site generators more yeah. <laughs> as time goes on. <laughs> <It's> the future. <laughs> If you, dear listener, would like to hear more from Cassie, you can, of course, sign up for this Animation Masterclass with Smashing Conf. But also you can find her on Twitter, where she's at Cassie Codes, and her personal website is Cassie.Codes. And that links to her code pen, which is a, a great place to explore. Thanks for joining us today, Cassie. Do you have any parting words? I, I would like to say that uh, Smashing and I are offering four um, free tickets to my workshop. Um, so they are diversity tickets that are going out to anyone that's underrepresented in tech or 
going through a tough financial time at the moment. Um, so you can apply for that on the webpage about my workshop. And I hope to see you there. This is Smashing. And that was our podcast. Thank you very much for listening. And if you liked it, please share it with your friends. Find us on the web at smashingmagazine.com, on Twitter at Smashing Mag, Smashing Magazine on Facebook, or in the supermarket by the cat food. Oh,